the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money, January 21, 2014, live radio tied towards money and investing, what's on your financial mind, um, hmm, it's so much going on, so much going on in the world of earnings, something that I'm thrilled with, all things considered, uh, Johnson & Johnson, profit up 37%. That's nice to see. Force Labs up on strong earnings. Nice to see. Verizon, strong earnings. There's an activist investor story this morning. Delta, good earnings. Uh, there's an activist investor story on Dan Loeb and uh, going for Dow Chemical, trying to get them to do a spinoff or a restructuring. Uh, not an aggressive uh, angle, uh, but strong enough to the point that uh, when you see corporations try to get share prices higher, it's a positive. It can't be deemed as negative in my mind. So a little shareholder activism is okay. Um, so it's earnings season, and it's something that I like to pay attention to. Um, it's kind of a report card season. You know, you've got a kid, he's in first grade, and he's struggling a little bit in spelling, and you spend all quarter with him trying to get his spelling better. Uh, you want to see that report card, right? You want to see, show me the money. Uh, the SP 500 today up 8. The Dow up 23. The NASDAQ up 27. Um, what we have here is an up market. Uh, again, earnings season. Sometimes one thing that, that's negative that happens during earnings season is we get through all these great earnings, two, three weeks of them, and then we're like, okay, what next? And then we get into you know a couple months of what's next, and that's when Wall Street can do a little bit of a drift. Today, speaking of drifts, it's going to be a rough day to basically analyze because a big snowstorm is going to hit the East Coast, and that's going to create a little bit of a problem. Um, and when I say a little bit of a problem, it means that traders are going to head home. They're going to go to work. Uh, they're going to put in a couple hours, and they're going to head home. So we won't really get a good, solid read on what to expect out of today. Um, 
we won't get a good read on was it real or not. So the stage is set for a decent market um, today based on earnings. And uh, there's a couple others that I should mention. Traveler Solid Earnings, Halliburton Solid Earnings, Baker Hughes, uh, Rockwell Collins. Pretty good, well-spread-out report. My personal favorite out of that group is Verizon. Uh, it's the mobile play. There's some other angles there as well. People's Bank of China today injected some cash into China's banking system. Um, talking a little bit about a credit crunch, carry trade unwinding problem. Uh, Dow Chemical is getting that 5% pop on that shareholder activism. Here's a company that's done nothing in 15 years. So if you've owned Dow Chemical, you've got a dividend and that's it. IBM and Texas Instruments are going to report today after the market closes. Um, so it's earnings season. And, you know, the guidance doesn't necessarily have to be overwhelming. It has to be good. We want to see... A, we'll take, instead of overwhelming earnings, we'll take a little bit of revenue growth. And that's sort of what we're seeing here. Keep in mind, it's been 400-plus days since we've had a 10%-plus correction in the stock market. So on one hand, we could really use it. Um, 400 days of, of moving forward. Not moving forward, but 400 days without a big pullback, without a pause, a pause that could refresh. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The whole Target story is getting a little bit more hair on it. And here's a company that was going to do a big buyback. And now they're saying, you know what, we're going to... That, that buyback's going to have to wait because we got to figure out this whole theft issue. So Target is calling on retailers and banks to adopt chip-based credit card technology to better protect shoppers. Um, ten years ago, he was on the other side of the issue. Target pulled the plug out of $40 million three-year program that did just that. Chip-based credit cards in which a smart chip is in the card uh, works with special readers installed at stores or widely used in Europe and Canada, making it a lot more difficult for thieves to profit from sort of massive data breach that hit Target over the holidays. Once again, uh, American companies have taken the easy, quick, fast way out that's cheaper and made them more money, and they pay for it. Um, so Visa has to get on board. MasterCard has to get on board. The big retailers have to get on board. Best Buy, Walmart, Toys R Us all have to get on board. Uh, because they caught two of the people that bought stolen credit card data from the target breach. Um, and basically, it became a very regional story when they did this. So uh, it was in south of Texas. And again, the data breach was nationwide. But whoever stole the data sold card information into a very, like, if you live in Texas, here's some Texas people who shopped in Texas, so when you swipe that card, it's not going to be as obvious that you're out of state and it won't get shut down. Maybe shop on Sunday when the banks probably have fewer employees watching this kind of stuff. Um, so uh, this is going to be a big story, 2014. You're going to see Congress get involved. There will be dollars to be made as far as investments go. That technology of getting the chip into a card is gaining more traction. Of the 5.6 billion credit cards and debit cards in circulation in the United States, only an estimated 15 to 20 million are chip cards, typically issued to people who travel overseas. 
Magnetic stripes have been used on plastic since the 1970s. Hackers are finding it incredibly easy to compromise that data because uh, the magnetic strip doesn't change. Uh, it's easy to produce a fake card because the technology is readily available. So anyhow and anyway, this could be a big story, and it's going to get hairier and hairier. As far as Target goes, they will likely have to stop their buyback. Uh, because they really need to focus on this product and uh, getting some safety back into their stores so that people feel comfortable shopping. It's interesting to know. Again, it's not like I, I, you know, heart-stopping story of the day. Target, da da da. But it's going to be a good trend this year. Uh, cybersecurity continues to be a story. Uh, and if you don't see that and you don't look for ways to profit from that, you're making a mistake. IMF today, the International Monetary Fund, upgraded the 2014 growth forecast for the UK. Eh, it's a cute story. You know, it's we know Europe is doing better. We know the UK is doing better. Uh, economic growth is expected to be about 2.4% in 2014. Uh, Google, Apple, um, all doing well today in the world of technology. Apple up 1%, even though they got cut to hold from buy over at Societe Generale. Pacific Crest and Credit Suisse both raised the price targets on Google stock to $1,450 a share. Um, other stories of note, Alcoa's rallying, a big commodity play, uh, $15 price target put on it from $9.00. Uh, physical aluminum markets becoming increasingly tight and regional premiums escalating. So there's some pretty good stories out there today. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Here's Rob Black and your money. Find me online at robblack.com. And your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW. Welcome again, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, invested, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, the Target hack again is going to be a big story in two thousand and fourteen. Um, I think you're going to start seeing a little bit more seriousness given to cybersecurity. Netflix making gains in the United States while HBO and Showtime are declining. Um, I think it's fair to say, uh, you know, at this point in time, cable TV seems to be, you should at least negotiate a lower price if you're going to continue to use their services. Netflix and other online subscription services have been logging gains as people are canceling HBO and Showtime. I think I saw penetration of pay channels drop from 39% to 32% um, of people who have cable. So fewer and fewer people are willing to pay for things that they can get at iTunes and or things that they can get maybe in illegal ways. So 
just some of the things I'm noticing. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. S&P 500's up 3. The Dow's down 40. The NASDAQ up 16. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. Let's do an email. If you want to email a question to be on the air, send the email chad at newfocusfinancial.com. This one comes to us from, I think, Ron. I'm selling my primary residence for $700,000, purchased it for 250000 After my $250,000 exemption, do I pay to on the capital gains on the sales amount or on the proceeds minus the selling that he invested into it? Yeah, I think you had another question about an IRS tax lien on the home, too. Yeah, that's complicated. Yeah, I mean, in that kind of a scenario, if you got anything to do with IRS tax lien and maybe you have some sort of circumstance that could result in maybe a reduction in taxes that you owe, something like that, you need to work with uh, a CPA and probably an attorney as well. But the way it works is when you sell a home and you've lived in it for more than two out of the last five years, you can get, as a single person, $250,000 exemption, and then you pay the taxes on. So, so what happens is you've got the sales costs. That reduces the amount that you've sold it for, essentially. Okay. So you're, you're, you're paying the difference on the net, minus the 250 that you get the exclusion for free. The rest you're paying federal capital gains and state income tax on. What if he put, like, in this case, what if he put, like, $500,000 down on the house? Are you paying taxes on that? No, you're not paying taxes on your cost basis, okay. and as long as you've lived in it for two of the last five years, you're not paying taxes on 250 if you're single or 500000 if you're married. I hate seeing these scenarios. Because that's, that's all his assets. You can kind of tell by the, the email that all of his net worth for retirement is tied up in that home. And he wants to make it go as far as possible. So email, chat at newfocusfinancial.com. Next email comes to us from Randy. I'm 64 years old. My wife is 60. Congratulations on marrying a younger woman. <laughs> We both plan on working another six years till I'm 70 until my wife is 66. I could do the math, Ron, Randy. We've got longevity in our families. What's the best strategy for maximizing Social Security benefits? Now, that's a great question because you have two situations. You have two people that are working, and you have an age difference. So maximizing Social Security is a key, and it can actually result, especially if you have longevity in your family, a dollars to $300,000 extra in Social Security over a long period of time of 25, you know, 20 to 30 years. So one of the strategies that they might consider is that when one person retires, they can file and suspend their own benefits. That makes your spouse eligible for spousal benefits. So it, I would have to run a software that, analyze, that maximizes Social Security, but he might want to file and suspend his. She could take a spousal benefit until she turns 70. She could turn her own benefit on, and then he could take his benefit at 70. And that actually gets a lot of money out. And you've got to remember in a spousal situation, a married couple, when one person passes away, the small check goes away, and the surviving spouse keeps the larger check. So maximizing Social Security, especially when you have longevity in your family, is very important. Quick question. How much more can you earn, and you can answer this either in percentages or dollars, by delaying five, six, seven, eight years of taking It's about an 8% return. So if you take it at 62, it's about a 32% reduction Okay. than taking it at your full retirement age. And if you're still working between 62 and your full retirement age, which is over 66 now for most people, um, you get dinged by Social Security. They actually take money away from you and tax it. Uh, so it's, it's, when you're looking at the alternative to say, well, should I you know, delay Social Security and live off some of my cash or my bonds, it's usually a better return right now to delay your Social Security if you have longevity. 
Gotcha. Got another email? You can drop an email to chad at newfocusfinancial.com. It's chad at newfocusfinancial.com. Why do all the calculators refer to the need for 70% of your income as the number you will need to retire? Are they considering pre-tax or after-tax when they refer to this 70% number? Basically, what they're referring to is rules of thumb that were created in the 80s. In the 80s. This is when, you know, back then, based on where people's income was versus how much the average family received in Social Security at age 65. Okay. If you had enough to replace 70% of your income plus you had Social Security, then you're made whole. That's not the case anymore. We've had really not much wage inflation at all. So you've got, that's a horrible rule of thumb. A lot of people spend more money in the first five years of retirement, like I've talked about before, because they're doing all the things that they couldn't do when they were working. So retirement planning, especially within your five to ten years, is very important to do very detailed cash flow projections. How much are you really going to spend? What's going to get you out of bed and motivate you to get out of bed in retirement? What are you passionate about, your hobbies? And really make a clear list about those issues. And try to stick with that, too. Yeah, you've got to monitor it. Each year, you've got to say, how much did I spend versus what I projected? And how did my portfolio do versus what I projected? Am I on track to be able to do a raise to keep up with inflation? I imagine my video game expenditures will go up when I retire because I've been delaying playing video games for so many years that I'm going to want to catch up. Yeah, and then your ibuprofen costs are going to go up from the arthritis in your thumbs from playing video games. Oh, so it's oh, not why I have arthritis in my thumbs. <laughs> I don't want to know why you have arthritis in your thumbs, then. Drop him an email, chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's chad at newfocusfinancial.com. Call me, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Interesting little side story today. Google founders are setting up a private air terminal. And it's been cleared for takeoff in San Jose. Um, how much money do tech people make and does the Bay Area bring in? Well, enough to buy your own terminal at San Jose International Airport. Um, it's an $82 million facility. It's going to be built, uh, starting to be built in February. Expected to be completed by the end of 2015. Um, it's not Google money going into it, it's the owner's money, and they're going to sublease some space at the terminal to other tech companies um, for their own private aircraft operations. Very, very interesting. We'll take a break here. You're Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Ah, the sound of small business. Getting busy. To Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. Happy January 21st to you. Hopefully, you're not on the East Coast, and if you are, you're inside because you're getting swamped with a, another snowstorm today. SP 500 up three, the Dow down 40, the NASDAQ up 16. Joining me now 
Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefy.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hi, Rob. Doing fine, thanks. Um, this is kind of report card season, and this time the children are the S&P 500 companies as they're reporting. How are you feeling so far from what you're seeing from the early signs of reporting season? Yeah, I think the uh, early takeaway from uh, the reporting season has been a, a little spotty. Um, okay. We saw some uh, better-than-expected results uh, from some of the financials uh, last week, uh, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, but not all of them. Citigroup, American Express, Capital One, they, they came up shy of estimates. But uh, last week we'll probably remember more for the uh, the warnings we got out of Best Buy, uh, UPS, um, and uh, and Chevron as well, but uh, but Best Buy certainly I think uh, put a lot of people on notice that um, the stocks that you know ran uh, hard last year um, and seemingly got well ahead of their underlying fundamental performance, you know, are at significant risk if there is indeed a guidance disappointment. And so um, I think that kind of was a bit of a created a little bit of a shell shock for investors last week, which is why we kind of had a market that just sort of chopped around and didn't uh, didn't really get to the place uh, people might have thought it had gone off the better than expected uh, earnings from J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo. It's an interesting time of the season. It's early, um, and sometimes I think you tend to find what you want to find, some whether that's positive or negative. I don't want to put words in your mouth, um, and I don't want to classify you, but to me, Patrick, at times you seem to be um, not a slightly pe- pessimistic with an optimistic opening, so you tend to like be guarded, but you want to find the good news. Is that fair? I think that's fair. You know, um, when we sit there and uh, and and you you, I think we talked about this last year a number of times too. Is that when you have the Federal Reserve doing what it's doing and pumping all this liquidity into the market, you do have to respect the fact that you know stocks are likely to to run ahead of themselves um, because you know people eat that up, right? Um, and what you look for in the context of that run are companies or you know the or, or market that is being supported by good strong earnings growth um, to to kind of keep you optimistic that that trend can persist and one of the hang-ups that uh, you know we had you know last year certainly was you know the lack of really you know top line driven growth a lot of it was um, uh, driven in, in part by you know a lot of cost-cutting activity, and and the top-line growth wasn't there as a reflection of, of soft demand, and so um, so you've got a market that's trading, uh, you know, higher than its historical average uh, at pushing 16 times forward earnings now, um, and, uh, and and you need the you know you need that earnings growth to come through, and you need quality earnings growth, and uh, that's why I think this this reporting period uh, and what it tells us about the first quarter guidance uh, could be a real inflection point here because it could it could be the the cooling off factor, if you will, uh, for the market to uh, kind of settle down from some of that uh, you know that liquidity uh, driven jump we saw in 2013 uh, because it could send a message that okay we got a little bit carried away obviously in 2013 and now it's time to uh, sort of you know. Uh, readjust things here and and um, 
and, and factor for companies that aren't growing quite as quite as robustly as that 30% gain in the S&P 500 last year might have suggested they could. Speaking with Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com, uh, one of the things, one of the stories that I'm kind of seeing again and again on Wall Street right now, Mr. O'Hare, is that Wall Street's not really trusting the consumer as far as retail goes, and yet there's areas that are doing very, very well, like financials. Is it a tale of two markets? Is it you want to be sector-specific in 2014, go with corporations versus corporations relying on businesses? Is there any stories that you're starting to see shape up or too early? Well, you know, one of the things that has jumped out at me is you think about, um, you look at Europe, right? Um, mm-hmm. the European markets have gotten off to a pretty good start here in 2014. Um, a number of them are up between 2 and 5%, and you have the, you know, the U.S. market here that's basically flatlining. And, you know, one of the things that I think has contributed to that outperformance is this idea that, yeah, you know, Europe's not growing all that significantly. It's hardly growing at all. But where is there the most room for improvement right now? Is it in the U.S. or in the Europe? And it seems like uh, global investors right now are, are leaning more toward Europe because not only is there seemingly more room for improvement, they also have a central bank there that seems more than likely to continue to fall on the side of easing versus looking at ways to withdraw some of the easy conditions there. And so, so that's helping. So to your, to your point, to your question, uh, where is there the most room for improvement within the U.S.? I think it would be in those areas that uh, would benefit from a pickup in business investment, right? Um, the consumer uh, stocks, uh, particularly in the discretionary sector, I mean, they've run so strong and so hard uh, through 2013 on the, you know, the notion of the wealth effect uh, and, you know, valuations did get stretched. And so uh, we saw, as I alluded to earlier, the, the pummeling Best Buy took. Uh, and, you know, that's going to continue if you get these companies that, you know, come out with disappointing guidance. Um, and you've seen that out of several retailers. Uh, a lot of them are falling back on the weather-related excuse. Um, but, uh, you know, a number of them, too, are also pointing to this idea that, you know, traffic just didn't, you know, uh, developed like they thought it would, and so uh, you had a really competitive uh, environment in that holiday selling season, which you know killed some profit margins for many. And so, um, so yeah, I think that you know you look at those areas like in the industrial sectors, which you know should benefit from that pickup in business investment, a material sector, um, and and which can also benefit in turn from just the, the broader pickup in global economic activity if it comes to fruition seems like one of the big stories this year, Mr. O'Hare, is the target cyber attacks. Will it change the credit card industry? Will it change the payment industry? Um, have you become aware of anything that the various um, authors at briefing.com are working on to address kind of like a big picture or sector play on cybersecurity? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm not, Rob. Um, and it Honestly, it's something I personally kind of been turning over in my my head. I haven't really formulated any type of uh, thesis or you know I you know something that I can work off of to to create a, a you know a worthwhile piece for our readers at this point. But you know it is it does reveal really a a, a broader trend here that I think is it's just you know it's it's part of the times we live in, right? Is that um, you're going to continue to get the the hacking that goes on and and the credit card theft. And so there will be a premium, I think, placed on those companies that have the ability to uh, create 
you know, encryption software that's going to, you know, limit those those violations and uh, and help protect, uh, you know, personal identities so that uh, so that those liabilities are limited. And so I think there is, you know, an investment theme there, um, but you know, personally I have not looked deeply enough into it to uh, to create any uh, value added information at this point. It's interesting because, again, it's going through my mind, and I haven't really formed enough analysis of companies to say anything intelligible, so I'm just keeping my mouth shut and asking people like you if you have any things you want to share. Um, so, Mr. O'Hare, we've got a couple minutes left. Um, as always, I throw you the softball question. Anything that we need to be aware of that's on your radar? Right. Well, it's it's all about earnings insight for me right now. Um, okay. That's going to be the, the primary focus, trying to glean some uh, trends that are coming out of the, the reports this week. We have 70 S&P 500 companies that are reporting. And, and I think, you know, one company that, to me, really stands out this week, uh, might be somewhat arguable, is, is Netflix, right? I don't uh, follow Netflix uh, uh you know, on an individual company basis, but when you look at that company and sort of how it was the standard bearer for last year's rally effort, uh, and then you have a market this year that's kind of running up against this idea, did we get too far ahead of ourselves with that rally, um, you know, and will the guidance be enough to continue that rally? Well, I think Netflix becomes that poster child for, you know, kind of carrying the day, if you will, to continue that mentality. Uh, and if Netflix were to disappoint when it reports after the close on Wednesday, I think it could, you know, lead to some of that uh, juice coming out of a, a number of other momentum stocks that could kind of, you know, clip the broader market here. So one name in particular I think that uh, is worth watching a little bit more closely uh, in this reporting week. But in general, this is going to be a key week for guidance because you have a, a pretty good lineup of companies that will, in fact, offer guidance versus uh, those companies last week out of the financial sector, which don't typically provide specific guidance. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst Briefing.com, independent live market analysis, U.S., international, big story stocks, uh, growth stocks, value stocks, um, uh, short-term trade ideas, uh, questions, themes. Uh, they really put together a good package at Briefing.com, and they've been doing it for 20 years. I think that says a lot about the quality. With that said... Coming up, we'll be talking about other issues on Wall Street, like milk prices. I know you're saying milk prices. Warren Buffett giving you a billion dollars if you pick the perfect March Madness bracket. Got to at least try that one, right? Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Investing in the stock market is not the only long-term retirement strategy. U.S. stocks are Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money. On AM 1220, KDOW. Get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. A quarter of British young adults still live with mom and dad. Uh, so we keep looking at 
Prince Harry, and I'm like, oh, it's so lovely across the pond. Uh, it's just as tough there as it is here. Uh, 3.3 million young adults in the UK between the ages of 20 and 34 living with a mum and dad. That's 26% of the age group. As a comparison, 2.7 million lived at home in 1996. That's a 25% increase in roughly 18 years. Um, we continue to see problems with people under 35 worldwide. Microsoft, it's been learned, tried to pay various YouTube account holders to post positive reviews related to the Xbox One. Uh, they would pay a premium of $3 for every 1,000 views on video segments, which included 30 seconds of materials praising the entertainment console. Uh, is this not like the reason why we just don't trust in any way, shape, or form media? I mean, isn't that fair to say, like, you almost get like a Yelp review of food and you're like, I don't know about that. Um, let's talk a little bit about Verizon. They're buying the technology from Intel for basically a pretty cool Internet TV service. A revolutionary Internet TV service called uh, Intel Pioneered and showed last year at CES, not this year, but last year. Um, it missed its launch for a window basically because Intel couldn't find content partners. Um, the service had a bunch of people scratching their heads like, Intel? TV? So, the reviews of the product have always been internal, but have always been unbelievable. Um, all video would, is delivered over the Internet, not through traditional cable services. Essentially, Intel could be your cable provider, and you wouldn't have to deal with your cable company to watch stuff. That alone solves a huge gripe people have with cable. Uh, it's powered by a beautifully designed box with a front-facing camera. The camera would be able to tell you know, when someone's in the room watching TV. They'd get rid of the camera, though, if, they, if it's gimmicky. Recorded shows are saved in a virtual DVR that lets you stream them over the Internet whenever you want to watch, wherever you want to watch. It's got a simple remote without confusing buttons. There's integration with smartphones and tablets so you can watch TV on the go. So Verizon's picking up this technology for about $500 million. They're getting, I think, 250 employees uh, in the process. It's interesting to know. It's I'm not going to say it's like, woo! It's the story that has stoked my life into a meaningful existence. That's not the case. I like Verizon and AT&T. I own both. The average mobile phone bill increased 7.1% to $157.21. Is that not insanity? Is that honestly not insanity? We spend $2,000 plus a year sending text messages. Essentially, reading email that we could wait on. That I mean, how many people even use their phone for calls anymore? I don't know. Not very many, right? Verizon's numbers are stunningly, stunningly good. Um, cheaper plans for international roaming, buyout offers to customers from other carriers. These are all stories that are inside of it. Uh, Verizon activated 8.8 .8 million smartphones. AT&T scheduled to report on January 28th. Verizon said it expects to close its $130 billion deal on Vodafone for full ownership on February 21st. Um, their Fios Fiber to the Street, which is basically cable, um, added 92,000 television customers for a total of 5.3 million. 
networks. Internet users climbed to 126,000 uh, to 6.1 million. Again, these are pretty small numbers compared to somebody like a, a Comcast, but we still acknowledge. You know, their game's mobile. Their game's not television. They're getting into the television game. Interesting sh- uh, study on HBO and Showtime in the decline and services like Hulu and Netflix continuing to get more penetration. Um, 27% now subscribe to digital on-demand video services such as Netflix, Hulu, plus Amazon Prime. Whereas about one-third of American homes paid to watch HBO Showtime and other premium TV services. But that's down from about 38%, down to about a third. Uh, What was interesting in that study that I saw was 7 out of 10 times... People are using Netflix, HBO Go, or some sort of similar on-demand feature from their cable providers or their satellite providers instead of buying or renting a movie or a TV show from retailers such as Apple, iTunes, Walmart's Voodoo, Redbox. So that's not good news for the iTunes or the rental market, I guess is the best way of saying it. Get your on the air. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, investor economic views are at a five-year high. So, again, we've not had a correction of 10% in over 400 days. That's very, very uncommon. Okay? Um, Beats Music just made a debut today. Um, it's a pretty interesting service. It's it's slightly different. They're doing a little free trial, then it's $9.99 a month. Um, it went live on operating system, uh, i-operating system, iOS, Android, Windows today. Uh, Beat strikes you as a beautiful blend between Songza and Spotify. Uh, Beats plays music free based on your mood, your location, who you're with, what kind of music you listen to. So it's very social. Uh, it differentiates itself from Spotify and its personalized recommendation engine. So I personally like independent music. And I always want to hear what indie music came out last year, the best of it. And they actually have a Best of Indie Music channel. Beats Music costs $9.99 a month, but you can sign up for a free 7-day trial. If you're an AT&T customer, you get 90 days free. Um, so another music service. I guess we don't have a winner yet, and we kind of have to get some consolidation uh, between the Spotify, the Moogs, the I Love Heart Radio, the too many services, right? You can find me online at robblack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. YouTube Rob Black Show. Let's take a break here. We'll be right back. You'll just Rob Black your money. Talking all things financial. Don't be shy. I promise I won't bite. Take a break. We'll be right back. Who are the winners and losers on Wall Street? Visit Rob... Estrogen. And more estrogen along with lower testosterone. ...ATM deposits without deposit slip. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news. News and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Hey, 
Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, craft beer. $30 billion industry in the United States. That's real money. What else do you want to talk about? Stocks are growing. How about you find a partner, make love, sweet love, enjoy your life, have a glass of wine, sit outside, hold hands, make babies, raise children, and just max out your 401k. That's not a bad idea. Um, There's a lot of ways to approach investing in money. Another big storm is going to shut down everything from Washington to New York City today. And that changes a little bit of the way Wall Street reacts because a lot of people on Wall Street are East Coasters. So that changes the story ever so slightly. Um, I think one of the bigger stories the last 10 years are wage inflation. It's story. Uh, We in the Bay Area live in a false world. We have what I would refer to as ridiculous real estate prices. I was talking about brother David, who's a successful attorney on the East Coast. He's coming to visit, and I had explained to him, you know, he's going to do a, that big Alcatraz race thing where you swim from Alcatraz and maybe run. I don't know. Um, and he's got three friends that are joining him. I'm like, he's like, can I crash at your place? I'm like, sure, but it's not the mansion that you live in. Um, I'm worth more than he. But because where I live, my house is smaller than he is. Um, it's interesting to know, you know, in the Bay Area, we spend so much on housing. Uh, but we also make more than other parts of the country, but not that much more. Employers are probably going to have to boost payrolls, and the jobless rate is projected to keep sliding in 2014. One of the interesting angles on that is no big wage gains. No one's talking wage gains. Earnings per hour for private sector workers have climbed 2% a year on average since 2011, compared with a 3.2% gain in 2007, the last year of you know previous expansion before this. When you adjust it for inflation, there's no growth. Paychecks are probably going to be the last area of the labor market to see a pickup. Um, it's a laggard feature. It's an important reason why it's been difficult to generate sustained periods of strong consumer spending. There's still a very large pool of jobless Americans, 10.4 million in December. Applicants have very limited bargaining power. Uh, Pool of available workers, which is a metric of Alan Greenspan's when he was chairman, swelled to 16.5 million. It include those in the workforce who want a job. down from the record 21.4 million in October 2009, but still persistently high. We have an aging workforce. Uh, bigger gains in pay, maybe years away. Uh, we're talking about easing immigration. The rise in w- of women in the workforce um, has increased the supply of labor. So immigration and women have made wages tougher for all. I know that's like, did you just insult women? Uh, kind of, but not directly. I'm just, you know, talking economics here. It was just men in the workforce. Uh, Employers had a tougher time, you know, saying, well, screw you, I'm not giving you a raise. So minimum wage also isn't keeping up with earnings, and unions formed to ensure gains in prosperity where uh, where they were supposed to be shared with workers. They're less in favor. 
Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So that's one of the big stories of 2013-2014 again is wage gains. Uh, it's a bit of a problem. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Verizon in the news today. Uh, pretty good quarter out of Verizon. Uh, in fact, I would say earnings season this week is much better than last week. Last week you had that bombshell out of uh, Best Buy that was just a disaster. And again, keep it in perspective, it, it had a pretty good four quarters, but it had a week Christmas. Johnson & Johnson Travelers Insurance Company, Verizon, um, they're lower today, even though they beat expectations. China's fourth quarter GDP rose 1.8%. Forecast was for 2%. The annualized reading is about 7.7%, which is, again, pretty damn good. You take it if you can get it in the United States. We can't get it in the United States. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average after opening stronger, weak, down 137. The NASDAQ after opening way in the green, Week down three points today. S&P 500 down four, sitting at 18.33. Let me do it for myself. Ding, 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 ding. Johnson & Johnson's fourth quarter profit rose 19%. Pretty good quarter out of Johnson & Johnson. And Johnson & Johnson isn't just, you know, no more tears, baby shampoo. They've got some pretty big drugs and biotech uh, angles uh, under their company. Uh, they're Tylenol, of course. Of course, they're Motrin. You know, they, they, one of the more interesting studies I saw last year was it takes a college degree to buy generic Tylenol. If you have a high school degree, you go out and buy the name brand. Chemically, there's not a damn bit of difference. Your headache's not going to respond a bit of difference to either one. One of them's going to save you 30%. Isn't that fascinating? And isn't that like insult? people with high school degrees versus doesn't it like make people with college degrees like you went to college to learn that you could take generics ha 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 sucker um, yeah I guess you could twist this any way you want 10 year treasury sits at 2.83% year started around 3% now we're pulling back to 2.8% please don't isolate that sound that I just made um, Expedia pretty big loser today um, while Alcoa is a nice little upgrade today. Speedia, the biggest loser in the S&P 500. Concerns of deteriorating visibility on Internet search engines. Um, that's kind of true, right? You know, 10 years ago, your use of Expedia and Travelocity was pretty obvious. Now it's like, eh, maybe Kayak. Uh, maybe Google search for flights. There's always rumors that Google's got some sort of flight tool coming out. Alcoa up 6%. Basically, uh, an analyst sees it going to $15 a share. Tightening supply. Dow Chemicals higher today after an activist investor, Dan Loeb, took a big stake in the company. Delta, Delta, Delta. Airlines shares uh, up 4%, better than expected earnings. GameStop up 4%, had a big plunge last week. It was battered. Stock uh, cut its earnings outlook for the holiday quarter after disappointing sales. Uh, Mondelez, which is the worst name for a publicly traded company. They make Oreo cookies in here. They're called Mondelez. Nelson Peltz, the active investors on their board. He thinks the company needs to improve performance. The margins are just too low. In the past, he said, let's let's merge with PepsiCo. 
but he's kind of backing off that statement for the short term. Gap stores, Banana Republic, uh, you know, Gap, Old Navy, shares up 3% today, basically a nice upgrade from sell to, to buy. That's a weird upgrade. Yesterday you hated it, today you like it. They say good buybacks, good cost control, good holiday period, um, good value name. It's calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Energy stocks are doing well today. Utilities, materials, weakness in consumer stocks, industrials, and telco. Take a break here. I'll be right back. Rob Black and your money. Strategies and solutions. The bottom of moon with a Bloomberg Market Minute. Stocks. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. As you can tell, I've got uh, still a little bit more to do to get completely recovered from either a flu or SARS or swine flu or something that I had go wrong with my body last week. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Why no calls? Certainly you guys can't be afraid of little old me. SP 500's down four. The Dow's down 120. The Nasdaq down fractions. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. If you want to send him an email to ask a question during the segment, send it to chad at newfocusfinancial.com. But without the email this time, Chad, let's talk mutual funds versus ETFs. What do we need to know, and who's the winner? <laughs> well, gosh, you know, it, it's it's tough because it's the, the area. And a lot of ETFs are very new. They do very well in the beginning sometimes, and it's really the long term. In terms of ETFs versus mutual funds, I like them both. Okay. I, I can't say I like one other th- over the other. There's definitely certain ETFs I don't like. There's a lot of ETFs that have leverage or want to go inverse the stock market where people think that they're the way to perfectly protect their portfolio. Um, in periods of low interest rates and rising rates, I do not like bond ETFs. Okay. Those are the ones that would be quickest to be sold and have pricing issues when you're trying to sell. Um, so where I really, really like them, Rob, is large cap, okay. mid cap, U.S. like them in those areas. Or when I look at my overall portfolio and I say, you know what, I just don't have enough technology or I don't have enough health care or I want to start accumulating financials, then I like to use some of the spiders to go in and get a, a broad shot into the overall stock market. I might have been sleeping when you said this. Why don't you like the emerging markets? Oh, cause here's the deal. Some of the, the emerging market ETFs 
are just the big, well-known names in those areas. And they only change once a year. And in an emerging market type of a fund, some of the successful ones have usually higher turnover and more broad exposure. I don't want just 25 stocks in China of the ones that are, some of which might have too much government control, uh, too quickly to be sold when people panic. There's a lot of small cap stocks overseas that look really attractive right now or specific dividend ones. Um, you know, you get into the brick and you got Brazil, Russia, India, China, one of which may be attractive at a certain period of time because they're becoming consumers. The other three, because maybe they're selling commodities and the super cycle might be over. So it's just, it's just too inflexible. And in an emerging market or an international play, there's currency issues, there's political issues that might require more active management. ETFs have a reputation for lower fees than mutual funds or traditional mutual funds, that is. Do you prefer ETFs as a manager? As a manager? Yeah. Well, uh, fees are definitely something you have to look at, but when you look at Morningstar, for example, and you're looking at a fund, the returns are net of fees. So if if that's your last thing that you're looking at comparing to things that have a great return, a low standard deviation, good management history, you're comfortable with the process of the management team, you might, and you can't make the decision, you might choose the one on the lower fees. But fees aren't everything. Okay. In large cap and mid cap US, it doesn't require a ton of changes, so the lower fees are important. That's why I like them in those areas. But, uh, I, it, you know, again, I, I'm still going to stick with the idea. Unless I'm doing a short term tactical trade, I'm using managed funds for the international side. How do you use ETFs when putting together a tax efficient portfolio? Well, the greatest assets that you can hold in, when you're accumulating wealth in your taxable accounts are large cap or total stock market or mid-cap ETFs because they're low turnover, low annual tax consequences, and you can hold them for a t- t- you know, long period of time. So you have, once you start maxing out your 401k, you, you've maxed out your Roth IRA, you're now investing after tax, you start accumulating large cap, mid-cap in your taxable accounts, and then you monitor your overall asset allocation. So if your taxable accounts become large and you start overweighting the U.S. large and mid, then you need to shift where you're contributing in your 401ks to make sure that you're still maintaining the correct weight in small cap international and emerging markets, which tend to have more ongoing tax issues. So you want to have those ongoing turnover, high dividend tax issues inside your retirement accounts. Now, ETFs can be kind of like compared to index funds. Does that mean we no longer need to have index funds in our portfolio? Um, a lot of ways, a lot of times it's easier for the dollar cost averager. Like if you're trying to say, I need a fund where I can put in 100 bucks a month, sometimes it's easier to go take your first thousand, open up a Vanguard you know, account, and start having 50 bucks sent out of your paycheck into that index fund. So they still have their place. Um, Unfortunately, not all ETFs, Rob, are, are indexes. There's a lot of managed ETFs coming out, yep. some of which people think, oh, this is a great tax-efficient way to invest. However, they rebalance every quarter, and they're actually horribly tax-inefficient. Never buy an ETF in the first six months of trading. There's not enough uh, activity. There's not enough people trading the shares, and you right. can end up with pricing errors on the short term when you buy or sell. Sounds good. That's Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Lots of good content there that you can grab and download and take a look at to spark your ideas when it comes to retirement and wealth preservation issues. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You can drop Chad an email, chat at newfocusfinancial.com, and listen to his shows every day from 1 to 2 here on 1220 AM, New Focus on Wealth. I'm Rob Black. Dr. Dre's B 
Beats Music. Another service that we have out there. Do we need another service to replace Spotify, to replace Pandora, to replace Internet radio stations? Uh, music streaming obviously is growing, just like media television streaming is growing. Um, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Plus, all growing. Um, whereas broadcasters, they, they own Hulu. I think they would be wise to continue to hold on to Hulu uh, because that streaming angle seems to be the one thing that's working well in both radio and television um, as far as content goes. Again, we don't really have a good... Um, solution to what makes everyone happy. Um, but it's a pretty good service out there. You can get tons of music you know, streamed out to you, uh, all at pretty reasonable rates, uh, or down to right, you know, free. So, I've got a Pandora, I've got a wireless stereo system, pretty much so wired into my home. It's wired list, but what? Um, I don't even hear the commercials. Like, it's weird, because if you stream it from your desktop to your wireless computer, uh, to your wireless speakers, no commercials. Anyhow, um, very odd, the changes in media. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. You're with Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. of the 3.8 trillion in tax so hard to shed the life of before to let my soul automatically Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Um, I'd love an official email or something that I could chit-chat about. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, yesterday I talked a little bit about mint. Mexico, Indonesia, Nigeria, and Turkey. And someone said, hey, what stock should I buy? I'm not in the business of managing your decisions. You are. Uh, so you need to do a little research on that if that suits you. Um, again, this is a show to generate ideas to get you motivated about retirement. You know, when I tell you that... By the time you're 45 years old, if you make $100,000, you should at least have three hundred to $450,000 saved. So if you make $50,000, you should have 150000 to 225000 saved. Um, and if you don't, you're probably going to work till the day you die. So I got an email from someone, and again, this shows you how kind of vague things can be at times, and... I hope you appreciate vagueness that I'm not going to sit up there and say this stock is for you or as the idiot that I refer to is um, do you have a strategy in a good market? Do you have a strategy in a bad market? I do. 
I'm not going to play the game that I'm smarter than you. I'm going to play the game that I'm accumulating wealth, and I've done well at it. And I don't mind down markets. I like down markets. Um, I enjoy up markets, but I use up markets to sell some of my winners to buy more of my underperformers. I use down markets to be patient and buy more of what I want at cheaper prices. Um, so an email comes to me from Chris, and Chris, you can do me a favor and send me more information. He says, I'm 29 years old. I'm a high school teacher. I have a 27-year-old wife who works for the bank and wanted your opinion about finances. I've maxed out my Roth for the last seven years. I've accumulated a significant amount of assets of my age. Um, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like, what's significant for your age? Uh, maxing out your Roth for seven years isn't significant. It's good, but it's like it depends on where you live. Uh, he goes, my wife has a 401k and contributes 5% with 4% match. I'm 100% in equities, either mutual funds or individual stocks. I was wondering if I should start to diversify. I was thinking about start accumulating mutual funds, ETFs of utility stocks or public REITs. My breakdown portfolio is 50% large, 40% spider, 10% tech. Uh, international emerging, 25% small, 12% mid, 12%. Some stocks that I own include Apple's, Google, Walgreens, CVS, the World Wrestling Entertainment, British Petroleum, AT&T, Verizon, and Line. Um, you know, certainly I'm not against any of the names that you own. Individual names. I think you're starting to bite off a lot of work to keep on top of as a teacher. Especially when you have a 27-year-old wife who probably wants your attention a little bit more so than she wants you paying attention to stocks all the time and your students. Um, I think your asset allocation is fine um, as far as your portfolio goes. As far as diversifying into utility or public REITs, um, I'm fine with that as well. I would say you know, a better thing to really focus on is getting your wife to contribute as much as 15% to her 401k. And that, to me, is going to get you a lot farther than the diversification angle. The diversification angle is not bad. Getting more money at a younger age is going to get you a lot farther. And again, the beautiful thing about that is, I can tell you in hindsight, when you're 27, 29, everything's wonderful. Everything. Um, and I don't know where you live, so I don't know your budget. I don't know your cost of living. I don't know what you consider a significant amount of money. To me, 2 to $4 million is significant. To me, money that needs to be managed is four hundred thousand, three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars. You can't afford to make a mistake on that because when you do, it's thirty to forty thousand dollar mistakes, um, and that's you know more than what you're going to be paying someone for three or four years of work. Um, so I, you know, I, I digressed from giving you a lot more opinion, other than to say, make sure you've got disability insurance. You're a high school teacher, so make sure you're taking advantage of, of whatever pension system there is in your school district, because you didn't mention that. Um, I would make sure you have the appropriate amount of life insurance on you. Vaguely say 10 times your revenue, 10 times your salary. On your wife, same thing. If either of you are important to each other financially, i.e. you help cover each other's mortgage, you help put food on the plate, you help you know, potentially raise children, I would set up an emergency fund of three to six months of assets. Um, I think that's uh, three to six months of cash. Three months is fine with me, uh, since you're a teacher and she's a, in the banking industry. 
it doesn't sound like there's a lot of drama um, in those careers. You know, it's not like you're a car salesperson uh, where a bad economy is going to crush you. Um, I don't know. I would, you know, uh, start a budget if you don't have a budget. I would look at what type of insurances you don't have. Again, you want disability, you want term life insurance. And again, not very likely that you're going to die, and thus term life is really cheap. In the next 20 years, at age 27, not a lot of people kick over dead. But in the next 20 years, if you do kick over dead because you have an abnormal heart or drunk driver or get really depressed and commit suicide, um, your income's important to your spouse, so it's, it's a great thing to get cheap term life insurance. Uh, and invest the rest. Um, that's kind of where I'd start. So again, what's significant? I don't know. I don't think you're being as efficient with your investing as you think you are, from what I can tell, um, especially since you didn't mention any sort of pension funding. And I don't really, again, like I said, know what you mean by great amount of assets. Um, 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. 2014 is going to be an interesting year because Apple needs to move into phablets or they're going to risk losing to Windows as far as um, you know potential market goes. And they don't want to do that. BlackBerry, their year to date... Oh, by the way, Apple is going to report a monster quarter next week on their iPhone. Will it be enough to move the stock? Who knows? Expectations are a funny thing to um, judge. And, you know, just let's look at each other in our lives. And, like, do you remember when you were dating and your expectations of that person was like, I hope they stay this great, fabulous person that they've been on the first ten dates and always cook gourmet meals and always be loving and sweet. And that kind of play fades. So BlackBerry stock up 31% year-to-date. Who would have figured that on that one? They just got a big deal with the Department of Defense, not Department of Defense, but on the Pentagon for 80,000 phones. Um, interesting to note. Again, not jump up and down interesting, but still interesting nonetheless. Um, if you plan to buy a house this year or right about now, um, a lot less competition from buyers because it's, you know, typically people, you know, don't use winter as the big buying season. Again, depending on what market you're in, that may or may not be true, but. Uh, since most homes are single-family homes, um, you know most people want to uh, sell their home when their kids out of school, buy a home before their kids get into school. Um, so that tends to be seasonably favored. But again, it depends on the market. Real estate really is all about um, location, location, location. You know the city that I live in. Forget about it. If you're on a good street, you're the day you list is you're gonna have three. You're going to have a deal done within four weeks. Um, low mortgage, super low mortgage rates are gone. Maybe not forever, but I think so. Um, if I ever see a 30-year mortgage at 3.3% like I saw last year, I would be very surprised. Um, keep in mind, in my lifetime, I've seen mortgages between 9% and 3.3%. So where they are now at about 4.5%, historically on my low side, um, I would look for fee hikes this year. As Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they guarantee two-thirds of the mortgage loans. They're trying to get out of that business. 
So the higher fees, um, even with great credit scores, means you know your costs are going up in purchasing a home. Housing market's going to march at a slower pace this year, I think, versus last year. Home sales have taken a dip after more than two years of year-over-year increases. So we're starting to see a little bit of a slide there. Um, the FHA, the Federal Housing Administration, they've reduced the maximum loan amount on FHA loans in 650 counties across the country. High-cost areas, the loan limit was reduced from 729000 to 625000 um, so it cuts down on purchasing powers in cities like New York and San Francisco on the peninsula for sure. It also drastically reduced the loan limits in some counties like um, Salt Lake County, Utah, uh, where their loan limit went from 729000 all the way down to 300000 to be insured. So that's a pretty aggressive drop, eh? So a lot of new mortgage laws went into effect at the beginning of this year, and they're supposed to protect consumers, but a lot of what our government does ultimately backfires and hurts the consumers. Each calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. You can find me online at rob at robblack.com. Twitter, Rob Black Show. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. Facebook, Cron4 Rob Black. That's K-R-O-N 4 Rob Black. to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, talking investing, talking more, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, quick and, you know, furious look at Wall Street today. It's, it's kind of negative and it's an earnings season. It's a bit of a bummer. Um, the Nasdaq's up slightly, up four. The Dow's down 119 after being up triple digits. The S&P 500's down three, sitting at 1835. A little bit of volatility's coming into the market. The 10-year Treasury sits at 2.83%. Oil sits at $94.81 a barrel. Uh, Target, big loser today, continues to get its name dragged through the mud in large part because of the privacy uh, security issue tied towards their credit cards uh, used at their stores. Dow falling triple digits. Earnings are weighing on the market right now. Uh, Dow Chemical up almost 5%. Alcoa up 7%. Um, The question is, you know, does this market consolidate here with good earnings and then move higher? I said earlier in the show it's been 400 plus days since there's been a 10% correction. So Verizon and Johnson & Johnson, I think they had pretty good results from the surface. Um, but Verizon is a victim of their own success, as is Johnson & Johnson. Uh, both companies tend to underpromise and overdeliver. Verizon's got a very robust digital network. 
maybe one thing that's hurting them is the announcement that they picked up some cable technology that Intel was building as far as delivering Internet movies and videos and concepts of uh, replacing cable channels. Delta is a winner today. They reported better than expected profit. As fares and traffic rose, the airline's presence said demand was strong. And again, it's an industry that's consolidated. Uh, there's rumors out there that the federal policymakers are going to further reduce their economic stimulus after a meeting. Um, the Fed in December reduced its monthly bond purchases from $85 billion to $75 billion, which is still incredible. Um, that stimulus has kept long-term interest rates low and has helped underpin a rally in the stock market, but they're certainly starting to cut some of the stimulus. At a time when the European Central Bank and Japan is not, and what the hell China's doing, it's tough to figure out. But they seem to be accommodative. Halliburton profit jumps 31% as drilling booms outside of North America. Um, Jamaican bobsledders, this is, I guess, something I could have brought up, and for some reason I didn't. Um, they've turned to crowdfunding to get some cool cash to go to the Winter Olympics. Uh, they charmed the world in 1988. Um, then, in the last 12 years, they haven't been back to a Winter Games. Um, basically, the team needs $80,000 to cover travel and equipment costs. Uh, a fan of the Winter Olympics started a website for a crowdfunding site, and uh, the fundraising campaign started. Uh, $115,000, and all they wanted was 80. Another site pulled in 40,000. Um, and the company that does virtual currency, DougieCoin, uh, donated $30,000 as well. So, <coughs> excuse me, the Jamaican bobsled team <coughs> looking pretty good. Excuse me, I don't have a cough button right now. Alan from San Jose. Alan, are you there? Hey, Rob, well, how are you? I uh, okay. went to your seminar the other day and hope you're feeling a lot better. Thanks. Uh, hey, I have a question regarding my. I turned 50 in two days, and I want to get a reality check whether I can retire at 59 and a half. Uh, and that, you know, of course, you got to ask me a bunch of questions. So, uh, basically, uh, I've been trying. Oh, I really like to retire at 59 and a half. This has changed my career, but the industry I'm in now, I can see it in, in, in that time going downhill even further. Okay, how much do you have? Uh, my net worth is probably one point, a one point five. I'm sorry, not including my house or not including my house. Not including your house. You got to live somewhere. About one point five, one point four. Okay. And I'd like Could... to target four as my number. Four what? Uh, my four million as my. Okay. How are you gonna get you there? You know, you have to have a goal. So I just pulled that one out of the air a long time ago. How are you gonna get there? Uh, continue investing relatively, moderately aggressively for okay. the next nine and a half years. Continue maximum four hundred one k, IRA, and whatever excess cash I have. Okay. My wife can do the same plan. Same thing. Good. So, Alan, probably the best thing you'd do is drop me an email, and I know you sent me an email, but um, send me an email with your age, your income, your assets, your liabilities, your time frame, your goals. Uh, if you have any special issues like children going to college, special needs okay. children, I could do that. Um, your home equity, um, I know you email me pretty infrequently, but enough that you know who I am and where I am. Um, yeah. But then I'll follow up with some questions. And, you know, again, knowing your income and knowing your budget, you're probably 
much better in tune with this than I am. A million and a half outside of real estate is pretty good for your age. Again, you want to get to four million, so realistically, you're probably going to have to work another 10 years. Um, but with that said, maybe you find a line of work that you enjoy a little bit more, and you kind of consider that or a little bit of retirement. Thanks for the okay. call. Let's go to Richard in San Francisco. Richard? Looks like we lost Richard. Happy New Year. Oh, hey, there you are. Oh, yeah. Well, first, I want to say Happy New Year to you. Hey, Richard, what's the question? Uh, do you know anything about the... Sh- I'm, I'm trying to figure out, do you know anything about the corn and the uh, food, uh, why the prices like weed and stuff are so high? You know, how do they work? Sure. And, um, Thanks for the call. Um, commodities are funny. Commodities, uh, again, are in theory based on supply and demand to start off, but then weather gets involved, transportation costs and refrigeration costs, um, droughts, you know, would obviously short-term push a harvest forward, which could drop prices, but then next year raise prices, depending on what's planted and what's not planted. Uh, but yeah, there's certainly information out there, but it doesn't sound like that should be something you should be pursuing. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Who are the three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's Dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.